Tonight we're talking about brand bandits. The late Warren Wearsby used to repeatedly say, the Christian life is a battleground, it is not a playground. And this has been an awesome week, guys. In all honesty, this has been the best week of camp that I've ever had as a speaker. Um, you guys' singing has been awesome. Working together with both Josh and Tony has been incredible for me. Uh, even just, it would remind me of the importance of brand brothers that we talked about earlier. But tonight I want to talk about brand bandits because tomorrow you go home and some of you, tomorrow you get your phone and some of you, tomorrow you get your video games and some of you go right back to your life. And a lot of junior boys will soon seem like history. And there are going to be people and things that oppose you. And I want to talk about those. There are three brand bandits for sure. Number one, brand bandit number one is Satan. Satan is opposed to you. He hates you. He hates Christians and he hates Christ. But the good news is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has given us what he, how he attacks us. He's shown us what we're supposed to do. And this morning we learned about how we need to take up the full armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of Satan. Satan means adversary. That is, he is against us. He is against you. He is against life. He's against me. This week you had some team competition. You had Alpha versus Omega. We know Alpha won, and, uh, but you're going to go out, and even now, it's going to be Christian and Christ versus Satan. If it was just Christian versus Satan, we're doomed, but because we have Christ, we have hope. Here are three strategies that Satan uses and what we need to do about it. Number one, Satan blinds unbelievers, so pray for open eyes. It is extremely likely that you've come in, you've been here the whole week, you've heard the gospel, that God created us to be with him, but our sins separate us from God, and we can't pay for those sins by our own good works, but that Jesus Christ, we sang about it a ton, I've loved the music this week, Christ came, he died on the cross, so we might have eternal life, and that you can receive that, everyone who places their faith in him has eternal life, and that starts now and lasts forever, and it's possible you've been here all week long, and Satan has blinded your eyes, and you still are not yet a follower of Christ. And I urge you, if you're unsure about that, I say, God, open my eyes. Lord, open my eyes. It says in Scripture, and even if our our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, headed for hell. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And when it comes to receiving Christ as your Savior, many people define it as, it's like the light bulb came on, I finally understood it. And I remember witnessing several years ago to my nephew, and he'd grown up in church, he'd come to camp, He, he had been raised in a Christian home, and he's sitting there and we're talking and, we're, and I'm asking him some questions. And it was like he had this, this story about a time when he had prayed a prayer, but there had been no change in his life at all. As we began to walk through the gospel, ask him about his sin, ask him about what he was trusting in to get to heaven. I remember him beginning to cry as he realized he was not yet a follower of Christ. And in the basement of my house, he repented of his sins. And I remember when he looked up at me with tears in his eyes, it was like the light had come on. 
And he understood. God had opened his eyes. Satan blinds unbelievers, so pray for open eyes. And some of, uh, there's a group of guys already talking. They're like, hey, how can we go back and witness? Listen, understand, it's not just about a right phrase. It's not just about saying the right thing. We need to pray for God to open eyes. Secondly, Satan loves lying, so value truth. Satan loves lying. One of his number one things that he is, uses in our lives are lies. And Tony touched on that, about how he, he lies to us about who we are in Christ. He lies to us about what is against us and who is for us. It says in John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil, and you, your will is to do your father's desires. How would you like that? For Jesus to say, hey, you're of your father, Satan. But it says he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. How much of what Satan says is true? None, zero, nothing that Satan says is true. Notice this, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. This is just natural for him. It is natural for Satan to lie for he is a liar and the father of lies. Good question for you is, is it pretty natural for you to lie? Do you find it easy to lie? Now, I found out today that some of you have been coming and lots of you have been really encouraging to me and you've been giving me high fives and talking to me and whatnot. But I found out it's because some of you just want to end up in a sermon illustration. <laughs> and uh, so there's someone that's going to be in a sermon illustration tonight and I have some more later. We'll see if you guys make it in. But I, we were watching, I was watching the dodgeball tournament with my family. And dodgeball is a great opportunity for lying, isn't it? Because if the coach or if the ref doesn't call you out, you can kind of just keep on playing. And I watched one young man, and he's on a team, and the ball hit and ricocheted off of the ball and just nicked his fingers. And I don't even know who he is. I don't know where he is. And I saw just a moment of pause where he's like, nobody said I, nobody's calling me out. And he just set up the ball, and he dropped it, and he walked out. He was honest. He did not follow Satan. I was impressed. So if you know who you are, good for you. That honors God. That's... <laughs> Satan uses lies, though, and he loves it. And the reason why Satan uses lies is because he is absolutely opposed to everything about Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you know what God's word says is that we are sanctified by truth. Your word is truth. But also Satan opposes believers, so gear up for the battle. Satan opposes believers, so gear up for the battle. We talked about this this morning, but in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Gear up for the battle. You are going to be opposed by Satan. And it says there that he has schemes. And that word schemes in the Greek is methodia. And I know I haven't talked about Greek, but I thought it was cool. That it's like, it sounds like methods. It's his methods. Now, I learned a new word this, this week, or a new phrase, um, I told you I play video games, used to play video games. I do not play them that much anymore. And Black Ops was my game of choice, and uh, really my game of addiction is what it was. And one of you guys, let's see if I can see him. No, I don't see him. Yeah, there he is. One of the guys came up afterwards. He's like, dude, I could crank 90s on you. <laughs> 
He's like, I could crank 90s on you. I'm like, oh, okay. And I left and I'm like, I have no clue what that means. I've been out of video games for too long before I knew what on earth that was talking about. But back when I was playing video games and you guys who play video games, especially um, first person games, often you have a strategy, right? You don't want to just stand right out in the open. You want to be hidden. You want to be camouflaged. You even sometimes in, in, our, in my game, I could like, I could camouflage my gun. I could outfit how I looked so that I would hide best in in the map and you'd change your outfit based on the map you were on that was your method in order to attack the enemy i want you to know satan is not just like chilling out going well i'll tempt him if i feel like it satan has a strategy he has thousands of years of experience with human beings with junior boys with adults, with men, with women. He has thousands of years of experience and he is intentional about his schemes. Who are we to stand up against him? You know, I'm 30. Who am I to stand up against a guy who's got thousands and thousands of years of experience with human nature? I am nobody, but you know what's the first thing? Be strong in the what? In the Lord and in the strength of his might. We're not gonna do this alone. We can't do this alone. So bandit number one is Satan. Bandit number two is self. Bandit number two is self. You ever hear that story about the monk who uh, took a vow of silence and uh, he, he took a 10-year vow and he was only allowed to say two words every, every uh, three or four years. You ever heard that story? And so after three or four years of silence, um, they came up to him and said, what are your two words? And he goes, bed hard. So then they change out his bed and two or three more years of silence. And they say, well, what are your two words now? It's like, food bad. And then the rest of the years pass and he gets done. And and they say, well, what are your final words? And he's like, I'm out. (laughs) And one of the other monks said, well, no wonder all you've done is complain this whole time. The reality is self goes with you. No matter where you go, your self goes with you. And there are several things that we must avoid that are constant bandits of our joy in Christ, of our living for Christ, of our love for Christ. Bandit number one, or self, is covetousness. Covetousness is a desire for what other people have. Just today, I was out frisbee golfing, and this guy drove by in about a sixty to seventy-five thousand dollars SUV, pulling about a seventy-five to one hundred thousand dollars pontoon. I'm like, "Ooh, that's nice. I'd drive that." And back at junior boys, I still remember I was I was from a family of eight kids. My dad was a pastor. Pastors don't really make a ton of money, so we did not have brand name clothes. I didn't even know that humans bought shoes at full price until I was like 20. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. I was like, people actually pay that much for shoes? And so I always had off-brand clothes. I had hand-me-down clothes. I had hand-me-down shoes. I often would have holes in the knees. And I remember coming to junior boys, and some boys would walk in, and they had the coolest clothes, and their hair was so cool, and everything was so cool about them, and I, and I would envy them. I coveted what they had. But it says in Scripture that we got to watch out for that because... Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. 
And as you get older, guys, you're gonna see that happen. As you hit your teen years, as you hit your college years, as you go into life, you're gonna watch your friends begin to live just for this world. Begin to love the things of the world. Begin to accumulate stuff. And you'll find this verse to be completely true. What we need to do is set our affection on Jesus Christ. The next one is self-glory. Self-glory. It says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. As you go out, it can't simply be to make someone like you. Okay, as you go out to seek to love the Lord, it can't simply be to make your pastor happy or your counselor happy. Now, I have a picture here. It's coming up. And I want to hear your opinion of this person, okay? <laughs> this could be fun. That, that is exactly what I expected. I heard like three woos, three celebrations, and then everyone eventually boos. One of the things that has become characteristic and well-known of LeBron James, right? I'm big into sports, so anyway. Uh, yeah, LeBron James is, he's all about himself. He wants the spotlight. He wants the praise. And all of a sudden, we're all booing, you see? Because that is the natural tendency that we have and we've got to be on guard against that. Look at this verse, Mark 12, 38 through 40. In his teaching, Jesus said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. They like greetings in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues and in the places of honor at feasts. But they devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Beware of living life for yourself. That's a danger. It's a band that will steal your joy. You guys have been really great this week, but you have to watch out for living for yourself. One more, another thing is fear of man. Part of self, how self will steal your joy in Christ is you begin to think only about what other people think of you. And especially as you get in any sort of public life, or if you're in public school and you're like, man, everyone else, what do they think of me? That will steal your love for Christ. It will steal how you ride for the brand. It will steal your joy. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Do you know how a snare works? A person will go out, a hunter or trapper will go out and they'll find paths where the animals usually go. And uh, actually, I'll tell you a story in just a minute. Uh, so he, the hunter will go out, he'll find traps or he'll set traps and it'll set a snare, and oftentimes it's like a big loop, and the animal will walk through it, and the loop will tighten as he pulls. And the more he pulls, the tighter and tighter and tighter it gets. Now, it wasn't until literally like last year or two years ago that I realized, for you to get out of a snare, you need someone to come out and help you, right? You don't get out of a snare yourself. You need others to come help you. That's why we need to have brand brothers. But anyway... Snares are very effective, and it was, uh, we, we had just moved into our house, and <laughs> when you get married, 
all of a sudden you want a garden. I don't know what it is. It's like one of the first things that you're able to do. You're like, oh, I'm going to have a garden. So we decided to have a garden. I didn't have a tiller. So I had this genius idea. I'm still young. So I'm going to till up my entire garden with a shovel. Great idea, right? So I just take a shovel and I just start digging. And I start digging. And all of a sudden this little white thing like flops out. And I'm like, huh, what is this? It's I'm like, that's a bone. And so I dig a little bit more, and literally, like, just a pile of bones comes out. I'm like, oh, no, the previous pastor murdered someone. You know, it's like, your brain goes to weird places. The previous pastor was a trapper, and he would take the carcasses after he caught an animal, and he would bury them in his garden, which means my garden grows stuff really well now. But what that taught me is, okay, The master at laying the snare is the one who wins most of the time. And as you guys grow, maybe some of you right now, you're snared in the fear of man. Even your counselors struggle with this. We need God's help to help us get out of the fear of man, but also discouragement. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 19. Open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter, or 1, not Corinthians, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, most of you guys are probably really familiar with chapter 18. Some of you are familiar with chapter 19, but 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we're going to be. In chapter 18, Elijah is going against the prophets of Baal. How many of you remember this story? You remember this story? Elijah's going against the prophets of Baal, and so there are all these prophets, and they're like, Baal is God, and Elijah's like, no, he's not, and they're like, yes, he is. He says, okay, let's do this test. Let's build these, these altars. And then let's put our animal, get it all ready to be sacrificed, but not start the fire. And let's see which God can light the fire. And so you know this story, you know, the, 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 the prophets of Baal, they are chanting and they're cutting themselves, doing all sorts of crazy things, nothing happens. And Elijah's like, watch this, guys. And so he goes down and he soaks his altar. And he says, God, if you're God, cause this altar cause this to be caught on fire. And boom, fire comes out of heaven. And he's bold and he says, okay, go kill all the prophets of Baal. They're not the true prophets. But in chapter 19, look what happens. Chapter 19, verse one, says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a, <laughs> a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he, Elijah, was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness all by himself and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, "Is it? it's enough, God. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept. Here's a man who has just conquered a whole bunch of prophets of Baal. And Jezebel sends a servant, and he's like, oh, woe is me. And you're going to have times in your life where you're absolutely discouraged. You cannot get on with life. It feels like a cloud is over you. And Satan uses that, and it's our self that plays against us. And then finally, unbelief. Unbelief. You know, you'll, you'll have a big trouble um, finding hope in the promises of God, finding hope in the word of God when you don't believe it. 
That's, that's kind of common sense, I know, but you can read your Bible all day long, and oftentimes, maybe if you're going through something difficult, and you hear from up in the pulpit all the time, read your Bible, talk to God, read your Bible, talk to God, but guess what? If you do not believe the Word of God, watch what happens. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it is, what's the word? Impossible to please God. Whoever comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The final bandit is the world. The world. And there are two dangers from the world is we have persecution. Persecution in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I kind of chuckled as I was preaching yesterday because as I was sharing all those stories, it's like, wow, my life seems so easy. But there are a lot of gaps between each one of those stories. There are a lot of difficulties between each one of those stories. And as you follow Christ, you will be persecuted from the world. But another one is toleration. And I'm not going to completely go into it, but in Revelation, it says you tolerate that woman Jezebel. And one of the things that you're going to be really, really tempted to do as you grow, as you walk, is to just tolerate the world. Literally, yesterday? Yesterday, I saw a video. So, like I said, this is Pride Month, they call it. And God resists the proud. So I don't know why we would want to have a Pride Month unless we're resisting God. But it's Pride Month, and a, an extreme, well, declares herself to be an extremely conservative person, is on this interview, and they're talking back and forth about the pride flag and how it's being forced on our, down our throats and whatnot. And it was interesting to hear her say, if you want to be gay, if you want to be lesbian, if you want to be trans, if you want to be any of those things, it's fine. That's what she said. She's claiming the name of being a conservative, even would claim the name of Christ. And she's like, that's fine, just don't force it on us. That's what the world loves. Just tolerate our sinful behavior. Just tolerate the things that dishonor God. And the world will push you to tolerate sin. So how in the world are we gonna go out from this? How are we gonna face this? We need God's strength. We need brand brothers. Okay, now, those of you who wanted to be in the sermon illustration, you get to be right now. So today, uh, like, this, this is the battle you're headed out to. And the first thing I thought about was, yesterday I was in the pool, and <laughs> they're all excited because they know you're going to be in the illustration. But anyway, yesterday I was in the pool, and I was wrestling with them, and I was all macho man, and I had it down. And it was great. And I was dunking boys left and right, and I loved it. And so then everyone wanted me to come back. Well, guess what? When you come back, they've been game planning about how they're going to get you. And they were a lot better today. <laughs> and there were more of them. And so I'm in the pool there with some of you guys. Yeah, yeah, I see you there. I'm in the pool there with some of them. And they're all raising their hands to get their attention. Okay. I'm in the pool, though, with some of them. And, and it was really interesting because there were a couple of different things that happened. One is they began to corner me. So I used to be able to kind of run around them and just dunk one at a time. And that was really nice. And then all of a sudden they began to corner me. And then they went for my feet. Do you know how hard it is to dunk boys when your feet are taken out from underneath you? 
And after a while, finally about 10 of them piled on me, and I got dumped. So I used the convenient excuse that my daughter's in the pool and I need to spend time with her. And I, uh, I said, give me a break. I was feeling a little bit sore. So I went over and, and played in the pool with my daughter for a little bit. And then they kept coming back like, hey, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah, it's like, well, of course you want to do it again. You won. <laughs> so finally, it's like, well, I got I to gotta face the music. And so we began to wrestle, but something different happened this time. Let's see. Here, there's one of them. Two or three of them said, Pastor, I'm on your team. Yeah, yeah, I'm on your team. So then they start dunking other boys, and it was like a walk in the park for me. It was so easy. I'm like, this, is, this, is, this, this isn't a fight. And then when they realized it wasn't a fight, they turned and <laughs> all attacked me again and gang, yeah, ganged up on me, and I went down again. Here's what I want you to think about as we go out, as we go from here. You will have enemies. And I know you boys weren't my enemies. We were just fighting and having fun. But you have real enemies. And one of the things it reminded me of is when I was by myself, I was getting exhausted. I was getting tired. Um, eventually, my dunks were not quite as strong as they used to be. The boys didn't go under quite as far. My feet began to trip. And when you go at the battle against Satan, self, and the world alone, you'll find that happens all the time. And even worse, this is a thing that I've, I've seen in my own life. Not only that we go at it alone, but we go at it without God's strength. Where we're not in the word of God and actually learning to love him. Um, this is a week where we come away, we rest, we refresh. And a cowboy, a good cowboy would take rest and then they'd go back out to the battle. They would go back out to the work. And so as you guys go out of here, I want you to seek the goal of loving Jesus and loving his word and getting accountable with each other because that's how we're going to fight the brand bandits and the power of God. It's kind of surreal for me. Um, 20 years ago, I was sitting where you're sitting. And tonight at supper, a group of us were talking about people that we went to camp with that either are atheists or have walked away from God, have nothing to do with God. And it's humbling because you go, okay, how, how do I guarantee that that's not me? Well, I just got to fight really hard. No, the grace of God is what we have to be sustained by. And I urge you as you go out, learn to love Jesus Christ. Set your eyes on him. Don't just study the word in order to get a few take-homes of go do this, go do that. Learn to love Jesus, and he will sustain you. Father God, I thank you for these junior boys. I thank you for the fun that we've had, the times that we've cheered, the times that we've challenged each other. But Lord, now they go back to the world, and I pray that you would equip them and fill them with your strength, that they would depend on your mercy and grace, that they would set their eyes on things above and not on things of the world. And that they would begin to run with endurance the race that is set before them, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith, for the joy that was set before them, endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. God, you alone can sustain these boys, and I pray that you would. I pray that 20 years from now, one of these boys would be up here declaring your word with a passion for who you are and a passion for the next generation. A generation comes and a generation goes, but you, Father, remain the same, and you deserve all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.